It was Frodo. He was naked, lying as if in a swoon on a heap of filthy rags. His arm was flung up, shielding his head, and across his side there ran an ugly whip, whip wheel. Frodo! Mr Frodo, my dear! cried Sam, tears almost blinding him. It's Sam. I've come. He lifted half his master and hugged him to his breast. Frodo opened his eyes. Am I still dreaming? he muttered. But the other dreams are horrible. You're not dreaming at all, master, said Sam. It's real. It's me. I've come. I can hardly believe it, said Frodo, clutching him. There was an orc with a whip, and it turns into Sam. Then I wasn't dreaming after all when I heard you singing down below, and, and I tried to answer. Was it you? It was indeed, Mr Frodo. I'd given up hope almost. I couldn't find you. Oh, now you have, Sam. Dear Sam, said Frodo. And he lay back in Sam's gentle arms, closing his eyes, like a child at rest when night fears are driven away by some loved voice or hand. Sam felt that he could not sit like that in endless happiness. Sorry. Sam felt that he could sit like that in endless happiness, but was not allowed. It was not enough for him to find his master. He still had to try and save him. He kissed Frodo's forehead. Come, wake up, Mr Frodo, he said, trying to sound as cheerful as he had when he drew back the curtains at Bag End on a summer's morning. Frodo sighed and sat up. Where are we? How did I get here? There's no time for tales until we get somewhere else, Mr Frodo, said Sam. But you're in the top of that tower you and me saw from way down in the tunnel before the orcs got you. How long ago, I don't know. It must be a day, I guess. Only that, said Frodo. It seems like weeks. You must tell me all about it if we get a chance. Something hit me, didn't it? And I fell into darkness and foul dreams and woke and found that waking was worse. Orcs were all around me. I think they'd just been pouring some horrible burning drink down my throat. My head grew clear, but I was aching and weary. They stripped me of everything, and then two great brutes came and questioned me. Questioning me until I thought I should go mad. Standing over me, gloating, fingering their knives. I'll never forget their claws and their eyes. You won't, if you talk about them, Mr Frodo, said Sam. And if we don't want to see them again, the sooner we get going, the better. Can you walk? Yeah, I can walk, said Frodo, getting up slowly. I'm not hurt, Sam. I just feel really tired and I've got a pain here. He put his hand to the back of his neck, above his left shoulder. He stood up and it looked to Sam as if he was clothed in flame. His naked skin was scarlet in the light of the lamp above. Twice he paced across the floor. That's better, he said, his spirits rising a little. I didn't dare move when I was left alone or one of the guards came until the yelling and fighting began. The two big brutes, they quarrelled, I think, over me and my things. I lay here terrified. Then all went deadly quiet. And that was worse. Yeah, they quarrelled seemingly, said Sam. There must have been some couple of hundred of the dirty creatures in this place. A bit of a tall order for Sam Gamgee, as you might say, but they've done all the killing of themselves. That's lucky, but it's too long to make a song about till we're out of here. What's to be done? You can't go walking in the black land and naught but your skin, Mr Frodo. They've taken everything, Sam, said Frodo. 
everything I had. Do you understand? Everything. He cowered on the floor again with a bowed head, as his own words brought home to him the fullness of the disaster, and despair overwhelmed him. The quest has failed, Sam. Even if we get out of here, we can't escape. Only elves can escape. Away, away out of Middle-earth, far away over the sea, if even that is wide enough to keep the shadow out. Now, Mr Frodo, not everything. And it hasn't failed, not yet. I took it, Mr Frodo, begging your pardon, and I've kept it safe. It's round my neck now, and a terrible burden it is. He fumbled for the ring in its chain. But I suppose you must take it back. Now it had come to it, Sam felt reluctant to give up the ring and burden his master with it again. You've got it, gasped Frodo. You've got it here, Sam. You're a marvel. Then he quickly and strangely, his tone changed. Give it to me. Give it to me, he cried, standing up, holding out a trembling hand. Give it to me at once. You can't have it. All right, Mr. Frodo, said Sam, rather startled. Here it is. Slowly he drew the ring out and passed the chain over his head. But you're in the land of Mordor now, sir, and when you get out you'll see the fiery mountain and all. You'll find the ring very dangerous now and very hard to bear. If it's too hard a job, I could share it with you, maybe? No! cried Frodo, snatching the ring and chain from Sam's hand. You won't, you thief! He panted, staring at Sam with eyes wide in fear and enmity. Then suddenly clasping the ring in one clenched fist, he stood aghast. A mist seemed to clear from his eyes, and he passed a hand over his aching brow. The hideous vision had seemed so real to him, half bemused as was he was still with a wound and fear. Sam had changed before his very eyes into an orc again, leering and pouring at his treasure, a foul little creature with greedy eyes and a slobbery mouth. But now the vision had passed. There was Sam kneeling before him, his face wrung with pain, as if he'd been stabbed in the heart. Tears welled from his eyes. Oh, Sam, said Frodo, what have I said? What have I done? Forgive me. After all you've done, it's the horrible power of the ring. I wish it had never, never been found. But don't mind me, Sam. I must carry the burden to the end. It, it can't be altered. You can't come between me and this doom. That's all right, Mr. Frodo said Sam, rubbing his sleeve across his eyes. I understand, but I can still help, can't I? I've got to get you out of here at once, see. But first some clothes and gear, and then some food. The clothes will be the easiest part. As we're a mortal, we're best dressed up mortal fashion. And anyway, there isn't any choice. It'll have to be orc stuff for you, Mr Frodo, I'm afraid. And for me too. If we go together, we're best match. Now, put this round you. Sam unclasped his grey cloak and cast it about Frodo's shoulders. Then, unslinging his pack, he laid it to the floor. He drew sting from its sheath. Hardly a flicker was to be seen upon its blade. I was forgetting this, Mr Frodo, he said. No, they didn't get everything. You lent me sting, if you remember, and a lady's glass. I've got them both still. But lend them to me a little longer, Mr Frodo. I must see what I can find. I won't be long, and I won't be far. Take care, Sam, said Frodo, and be quick. There may be orcs still alive, lurking in wait. I've got to chance it, said Sam. 
He stepped into the trapdoor and slipped down the ladder. In a minute, his head reappeared. He threw a long knife on the floor. There's something that might be useful, he said. He's dead, the one that whipped you. Broke his neck, it seems, in his hurry. Now will you draw up the ladder if you can, Mr Frodo, and don't you let it down until you hear me call the password Albereth. It's what the elves say. No orc would say that. Frodo sat for a while and shivered, dreadful fears chasing one another through his mind. Then he got up, drew the grey elven cloak about him, and to keep his mind occupied began to walk to and fro, prying and peering into every corner of his prison. It was not very long, though fear made it seem like an hour at least, before he heard Sam's voice calling softly from below. Albereth! Albereth! Frodo let down the light ladder. Up came Sam, puffing, heaving a great bundle on his head. He let it fall with a thud. Quick now, Mr Frodo, he said. I've had a bit of a search to find anything small enough for the likes of us. We'll just have to make do, and we must hurry. I've met nothing alive, and I've seen nothing, but I'm not easy. I think this place is being watched. <coughs> I can't explain it, but well, it feels to me as if one of those foul flying riders is about up in the blackness where he can't be seen. He opened the bundle. Frodo looked in disgust at the contents, but there was nothing for it. He had to put the things on or go naked. There were long, hairy breeches of some unclean beast fowl and a tunic of dirty leather. He drew them on. Over the tunic went a coat of stout ringmail, short for a full-sized orc, but too long for Frodo and heavy. About it, he clasped a belt, which was, at which there hung a short sheath holding a broad-bladed stabbing sword. Sam had brought several orc helmets. One of them fitted Frodo well enough, a black cap with an iron rim, and iron hoops covering the leather upon which the evil eye was painted in red above the beak-like nose guard. The Morgul stuff, Goldbag's gear, was a better fit than better made, said Sam. But it wouldn't do, I guess, to go carrying his tokens into Mordor. Not after his business here. Well, there you are, Mr Frodo. A perfect little orc, if I might make so bold. At least you would be if we were to cover your face with a mask, give you longer arms, and tell you to be bow-legged. This will hide some of the telltales. He put a large black cloak over round Frodo's shoulders. Now are you ready? You can pick up a shield as we go. What about you, Sam, said Frodo. Aren't we going to match? Well, Mr Frodo, I've been thinking. We'd better not leave any of my stuff behind and we can't destroy it. And I can't wear orc mail over my clothes, can I? I'll just have to cover up. He knelt down and carefully folded his elven cloak. It went into a surprisingly small roll. This he put into his pack that lay on the floor. Standing up, he slung it behind his back, put an orc helm on his head, and cast another black cloak about his shoulders. There, now we match, near enough. Now we must be off. We can't go all the way at a run, Sam, said Frodo with a wry smile. I've hoped you made inquiries about inns along the road. Or have you forgotten about food and drink? Oh, save me, but so I had, said Sam. He whistled in dismay. Bless me, Mr Frodo, but you've gone and made me hungry and thirsty. I don't know when a drop or morsel will last past my lips. I've forgotten it, trying to find you. But let me think. Last time I looked, I got about enough of that waybread and of what Captain Faramir gave us to keep me on my legs for a couple of weeks at a pinch. But if there's a drop left in my bottle, there's no more. That's not going to be enough for two, no how. 
Don't orcs eat and don't they drink? Or they, do they just live on foul air and poison? No, they eat and drink, Sam. The shadow that bred them can only mock, it cannot make. Not real new things of its own. I don't think it gave life to orcs, only ruined them and twisted them. And if they are to live at all, they have to live like other creatures. Foul waters and foul meats they'll take, if I can get no better, but not poison. They've fed me, so I'm better off than you. There must be food and water somewhere in this place. But there's no time to look for them, said Sam. Well, things are a bit better than you think, said Frodo. I had a bit of luck while you were away. Indeed, they did not take everything. I found my food bag amongst the rags, rags on the floor. They've rummaged it, of course, but I guess they dislike the very look and smell of Lembus. Worse than Colin did. It's scattered about, and some of it's trampled and broken. But I've gathered it together. It's not far short of what you've got. But they've taken Faramir's food, and they've slashed up my water bottle. Well, there's no more to be said, said Sam. We've got enough to start on. But water's going to be a bad business. But come, Mr Frodo, off we go, or a whole lake of it won't do us any good. Not till you've had a mouthful, Sam, said Frodo. I won't budge. Here, take this elven cake and drink that last drop that's in your bottle. The whole thing is quite hopeless, but it's no good worrying about tomorrow. It may not even come. At last they started. Down the ladder they climbed, and then Sam took it and made the passage behind the huddled body of a fallen orc. The stair was dark, but on the rooftop the glare of the mountain could still be seen, though it was dying down in a sullen red. They picked up two shields to complete their disguise and then went on. Down the great stairway they plodded, the high chamber of the turret behind, where they had met again, seemed almost homely. They were out in the open again now, and terror ran along the walls. All might be dead in the tower of Sirith Ungul, but it was steeped in fear and evil still. At length they came to the door upon the outer court, and they halted. Even from where they stood they felt the malice of the watchers beating on them, black silent shapes on either side of the gate through which the glare of Mordor dimly showed. As they threaded their way amongst the hideous bodies of the orcs, each step became more difficult. Before they even reached the archway, they were brought to a stand. To move an inch further was a pain and weariness to will and limb. Frodo had no strength for such a battle. He sank to the ground. I, I can't go on, Sam, he murmured. I'm going to faint. I don't know what's come over me. I do, Mr. Frodo. Hold up now. It's the gate. There's some devilry there, but I got through and I'm going to get out. It can't be more dangerous than before. Now for it! Sam drew out the elven glass of Galadriel again. As if to do honour to his hardihood and to the grace of splendour of his faithful brown hobbit hand that had done such deeds, the fire blazed forth suddenly so that all the shadow caught was lit with a dazzling radiance like lightning. But it remained steady and did not pass. Gilthoniel ah Albereth, Sam cried. For why, he did not know. His thoughts sprang suddenly back to elves in the Shire, and the song that drove away the black riders in the trees. Aya Elenon Ankalima, cried Frodo once again behind him. The will of the watchers was broken with a suddenness like a snapping of a cord, and Frodo and Sam stumbled forward. Then they ran through the gate and past the great seated figures with their glittering eyes. There was a crack. The keystone of the arch crashed down upon the heels, 
and the wall behind crumbled and fell in ruin. Only by a hair did they escape. The bell clanged, and from up there the watchers went up high, went up a high and dreadful wall. Far up above in the darkness it was answered. Oh, sorry, forgive me. A bell clanged, and from the watchers there came up a high and dreadful wail. Far above in the darkness it was answered. Out of the black sky there came a dropping like a bolt, a wing shape rending the clouds with a ghastly shriek. <laughs>